Welcome back to the Mountaineer Podcast, where everybody's listening. I'm Cynthia Davis. And I'm Ardeva Tallis. Now for this week's news. This episode is brought to you by the Peak to Peak Healthy Communities Project, Mountain Man Outdoor Store, Hearts Backhoe, Brightwood Music, Very Nice Brewing Company, and of course, the Mountaineer Newspaper. Our music correspondent, Dango Rose, is on the road this week, but we'll catch up with him in the next episode. For our lead story today, we talked to Jack Kildall about an institution of Central City that will soon bring a part of the town's identity back to the public and organizations to enjoy. My name is Jack Heidall. I'm a resident of Central City, have been for nearly 50 years now, and I'm currently president of the Belvedere Foundation. Belvedere Foundation has been reactivated. It's been around for a while, but it was serving me an administrative function to hold open a nonprofit for the benefit of the Belvedere and the city. And now we have gotten to a position where we're actually starting to get some things done, so it's, it's been activated and a board of nine has been appointed by the city council. We're off and running. We have a great deal of work to do before we get the building back in shape for occupation. It's been tragically neglected by private owners over the years. And finally, uh, when they defaulted on taxes, the Gilpin County commissioners took possession of the building and then uh, transferred the building to Central City to do the actual revitalization and, and operation with the understanding that it's going to be made available for all people in Gilpin County to make use of for any of a number of purposes. Theater is a portion of what we vision for the the theater, but it's got to be to some degree self-sustaining. Uh, we can't subsist and can't survive on handouts from the public or private organizations or even the city for very long. But that wears out. People get tired of doing that, and and we've got to demonstrate that that we can support ourselves. So we have a number of uses. Uh, in mind for the, the Belvedere, ranging from uh, leasing the space to other organizations, uh, such as the Opera Association. The Opera always needs space for uh, rehearsals and uh, other gatherings, smaller productions that uh, they can produce without going into the, the uh, theater itself. Uh, they've made use of some of the churches in town for that purpose, and, and this would be a great facility for that. It could also be used uh, as a more of a theater for uh, schools, for uh, uh, any graduations or even productions, instead of doing them in the gymnasium of the, the school. We've, uh, we've considered broadening the the uses to include uh, one of my concerns about the industry in, in Central City is that we don't do, we haven't focused on any group business. When I was the public relations director in Central City 45 years ago, that's the way we made our bread and butter in competition with the ski industry, ski industry during the summer. But we brought people up in groups. And uh, we could do that even during the winter and discovered that busing people up 
kept them in town for a specific period of time. We could focus our attention on them. They could enjoy the experience and then go back down the hill. So I'd like to see the theater become an ancillary function of the casino industry, giving them a large space for things like uh, family reunions or uh, weddings or even business seminars, business meetings, business groups. Uh, <clears throat> what a great way to to entice people to come to a business meeting than to suggest that they could have that meeting in Central City and take a break and go out and throw a couple quarters in a slot machine and maybe get rich. So, growing up, the Beldevere Theater was a staple of the area and an incredibly important institution to those that lived in town, who didn't want to travel elsewhere for entertainment or camaraderie. It's really sad to see the, what has happened to that building. They had uh, the most recent owner just virtually crashed the building, factor mm -hmm. portion of the building off that was where the kitchen was. But when I first came to Central in 1972, it was just getting started under William Elliott Williamson, who had uh, rehabbed the building with the goal of turning it into uh, a summer theater using CSU students for performers and dinner theater that provided dinner and make it a, an experience for not just people in Central City, but throughout the area. They had mixed results. Willie was a great uh, contractor and had experience of doing that and virtually rebuilt that that interior using a lot of Denver Urban Renewal pieces for plaster buffs and decorations as well as stairways and railings, balcony pictures, relocated a bar up there. Did a terrific job. He wasn't a really good business manager. Uh, they didn't have a lot of experience with that. In fact, it happened the year before I got here, but the story I was told was they went to open the the building and the theater on their, their opening night, couldn't produce a meal. <laughs> I don't know what had happened, but the story I was told was all of the restaurants in Central City gathered together and provided elements of uh, a meal. Some brought the entrees, some the, the side dishes, desserts, salads were all delivered and they went on with their show as they expected to. Then the next night, they were able to produce the dinner. But beyond his dreams of it being a, a little theater, it was a terrific social space. Mm -hmm. It's probably the reason why, even though I told the guy that had employed me initially that I would give him three months of my time in Central City and then I was getting out of that tourist trap, within that three months, Primarily through what was going on at the Belvedere, I'm here 50 years later. We used to have dances up there, the jazz festival played up there, but it, it was an amazing social space. People that you had ignored at the post office or avoided uh, walking down the street because of some misunderstanding would find themselves rubbing shoulders, you know, on the dance floor or around the bar. And those issues were resolved quickly and easily. It was a great healing experience for the entire community. Unfortunately, the last tenants damaged the structure and left it in disrepair. We've uh, 
assembled some money. The city, through a, a program of taking some of the historic preservation grant money that's generated by the casinos, over the years has accumulated over a million dollars. Using that, we, or the city, applied for a DOLA grant and received that last year in the amount of a million dollars. The city put together an additional million dollars to get the first phase underway with the idea that that million dollars would be recouped by the city through the sale of tax credits. <clears throat> we have three million dollars in hand right now. We, the original estimate to do first phase was about three million dollars, but I think that's well short. I think the city has another thought on how to come up with some additional money, but we're very active in trying to find additional donors, grantors to make up that deficit. And, of course, that's just first phase. We have a second phase that will actually involve the theater portion, and uh, we're going to need another three, four, five million dollars for that. I don't even know what the cost is. But to exacerbate this whole thing, I'm sure you're all feeling it as well as I am, because of the COVID pandemic, supply lines have drawn to uh, close mm-hmm. in, in construction industry. Understandably, the, the people that generate lumber and all the materials necessary for building didn't know what the future was going to hold and prudently decided they weren't going to continue business as usual. So now we've got to take up all that flack and get back into business, and my understanding is that the cost of lumber itself has doubled, tripled, quadrupled, I mean, it's skyrocketed, all materials. So whether we can afford what the price would be to do the construction now is far different than what it was a year ago. The first phase of the operation would be to restore the the shoe fly portion of the building. The, The Belvedere was combined with the building next door years ago, and the shoe fly was generally used as a retail space on the first floor adjacent to the street and then a bar on the second floor. And adjacent to that is a small park or patio area. And that is what the first portion will be, first effort will be to, to restore that as well as do the HVAC electrical plumbing install and elevators so that we are ADA approved get a portion of the building open and operating, and then we'll go back and do the actual theater itself. And this was a big part of the identity of Central City. Well, I can't say that they are comparable to the Opera House. Yeah. Opera House acoustics are fantastic. Those <laughs> two-foot, two-and-a-half-foot thick masonry walls just confine sound. I don't think I've ever been in a space as, as good as the Central City Opera House for acoustics. I was also on the Central City Jazz Festival Committee, and we put on traditional jazz concerts in there for eight, nine years, and never heard anybody complain about the noise quality. Now, the Jazz Fest was, in particular time and place, the traditional Jazz Fest that I was involved in. The concept didn't occur in just one location. We had locations throughout the town. Every bar, every space that could hold 25, 50 people had a jazz band in it, and we could operate as many as six, seven jazz bands simultaneously. So the audience would go from place to place. You buy a, a badge that would get you into to all the different venues. 
and the audience would move and the performers would stay in the same location. And it was three days of nothing but smiles and good times and happy people. There's, there's something about traditional jazz that with the very first notes, people light up and, and get excited. But mm-hmm. with the advent of gambling, all those spaces disappeared. Either they disappeared or we couldn't compete with the noise of slot machines and that sort of thing. We wouldn't put our musicians into that circumstance where they'd have to compete. So the jazz festival folded about the time that the gambling started. Jack talks about what it meant to him and what he hopes it'll bring back. Maybe my greatest hope is that social enabling, because I think that's so critical to the health and welfare of the community. And I think today, when so much business is done on cell phones, I'm dismayed to visit a bar and see young people sitting at the bar instead of engaging with each other, they're engaging through cell phones. I mean, they're, they're all sitting looking at their cell phones instead of engaging with each other. And I think we've lost a lot of that ability to socialize and press the flesh and look people in the eyes instead of doing it through electronic means. I see these kinds of spaces as being critical as we go forward if we're going to maintain our sociability. We're always looking for people to help. One of the projects that we're taking on, somebody needs to get in there and clean up that building, although it doesn't have any heat or electricity, plumbing. Still, we'd like to produce tours and educate people about the theater. It was an important part of Central City's history. It actually set the stage for, so to speak, set the stage for the Opera House itself being built because it was so popular. So we need volunteers to to help do that sort of thing. We can use any kind of donations. The foundation itself doesn't have the infrastructure necessary to take care of that, but it can be certainly taken through the uh, Central City uh, Hall. Uh, Anybody contacting Central City would be directed to how they can support the builder. To the news desk. Free COVID tests are available at the Nederland Community Center every Thursday from 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. No appointment or ID is required. Gilpin County has COVID-19 testing at the Gilpin County Public Health Office located at 101 Norton Drive every Thursday from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. You can sign up at www.primarybio.com slash L slash C-D-P-H-E. Please pre-register prior to arrival on this one. Peak-to-peak musicians and artists, we're looking for you. Would you like a feature story in The Mountaineer? We cover all news of the peak-to-peak, including business and artist profiles. We also offer features on our podcast, website, and social media. Right now, these are all completed through email with our journalist. When things open back up, it will be in person. We are your community newspaper. If you're interested, just email publisher1977 at gmail.com to get on the list for upcoming editions. The Mountaineer newspaper is working on senior profiles during May. If you're a high school senior, reach out to us at publisher1977 at gmail.com for more information. We have student interns and staff reporters to help create your story for this annual celebration of graduation. And now, we'll hear from Art Devitalis for an interview with Aya Pelcom Donahue and her brother. They are musicians with the Greater Boulder Youth Orchestra. Here you go, Art. My name is Aya. I play the violin in the DBYO Orchestra. 
My name is Guy. I played the cello in the DBIO orchestra. We go up at Nederland Middle Senior High School in the mountains. All right, very cool. Could you tell me what you think about going to school there? Well, it's a really great place. We have a good music program, which inspired a lot of us to go there. And we have Christine Mallory as our orchestra director. It's middle and senior high school, so it's a nice combination of all ages. Nice, all right. Wait, so have both of you actually grown up playing music? Yeah, we also play piano. Tell me a little bit about the orchestra, or whatever you want to say about it, really. Well, it has a that there are three, uh, four ensembles, like for different age groups and instruments and playing levels. So there are three playing levels for strings and one for winds, and they're very so there are places for all ages and levels. And no one's ever been turned away for financial reasons, so that's really great and. It's a really fun place because you meet a lot of friends with similar interests, and the conductors are really nice, and we get to perform at Mackey Auditorium in Boulder, and that's a really great experience. Tell me a little bit more about that. Is that kind of the headliner for the year, so to speak? Yeah, it is. Both, yeah, there's, there's one in the fall, usually one in the spring, one concert. Yeah, and it's a really, um, it's a big stage, so it gets... All of us really excited, <laughs> and a lot of people come, and that's when we perform the songs that we've been working on for most of the year. Gotcha. So are y'all getting ready? Is the spring one coming up, or has it already passed? And COVID made everything a lot more difficult. Yeah, we didn't perform in Mackey. Some people performed outside, outside the church where we rehearse, but most of it, a lot of it was online. Gotcha. All right. Well, and that's uh, definitely no fun, but I think things are kind of taking a turn for getting back to normal, too, thankfully. Could you just both, again, kind of talk to me about what it's like working together as an ensemble of this, and what's that like kind of on a practice level? Well, you have to, it depends on the orchestra. Like, for the top orchestra, they expect you to know your all your entire part before coming to rehearsal, and that takes some practice. But less, less so in the middle level, and the bottom level is even less so. Yeah, so you, in the symphonia, which is the first level, you're expected to come with a general idea of the piece, and then with each rehearsal, the conductor sort of shows you how he would do it, and it slowly comes together, and then maybe two rehearsals or so before the concert, you can really feel the orchestra being together. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and it's uh, it kind of gets to that point of craft on the piece that you're working on. And once again, this is for both of you. You can switch out cello with violin and vice versa. What would you say the most difficult part of playing cello is with the rest of the group? I don't know. I'd say that the cello, usually there are, no, no, this wasn't the case last year, but usually there are not very many cellos, and it's always... Um, it's, you get less direct, um, you get less direction from the conductors because they all play like violin and viola. So there's a lot less actual direction. So that you have to do more with your private teacher and with your own practice. Gotcha. All right. Same thing for you with violin. Yeah, it's kind of the opposite problem because there are always a ton of violins. So it's hard to do as the conductors say and keep it down so that you can hear the other instruments. Especially on stage, because we get really excited. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, and I was going to ask the both of you, uh, so what level are you at? So, I'm in the medium orchestra, Philharmonic. 
And I'm in the top orchestra symphony. Very nice. All right. Uh, you you both have done the uh, the Mackie performance then? Yes, a few times. Gotcha. Did you both just talk about that, like what it's kind of like being a part of that as well? Yeah, it's really cool because you get to be backstage in that auditorium, and a lot of us have watched concerts there before we're even in GBYO, and so being on that stage finally is really cool, and um, it's not quite as nerve-wracking, I think, at least for me, as going on stage by yourself, so it's sort of the best of both sides of not being nervous and um, having a lot of excitement. Yeah, it's less nerve-wracking than, like, when you're the only one playing something, but it's also more nerve-wracking because you're playing with a bunch of other people, so if you mess up, it's somehow also more noticeable. Yeah. As far as, I guess, that hall goes, are there other big names or bigger orchestras that play there as well? Yeah, the Boulder Phil plays there every year. The Boulder Philharmonic plays there every year, and they also have their guest artists, which include a lot of very amazing instrumentalists like Yo-Yo Ma and Sarah Chang and a lot of really amazing, famous players. Yeah, and I don't remember which opera company it was, but some people perform opera there every year. And it's really cool because it has different levels in the seats, so you can see the stage from up above. It's a really nice auditorium. Those have been uh, some really good answers, and thank you both for that. I'm trying to think, is there anything that you think we missed or anything that either of you would like to add, just more info or anything? Well, another cool thing, some of the um, smaller ensembles get to travel places to play, and that's really fun. And um, we go busking on Pearl Street to earn money, and that's always a cool experience. Um, <laughs> well, I'd say you're not a musician yet if you haven't bust. <laughs> Yeah, and then other than that, just letting people know that there's an orchestra for brass and wind instruments is really important because not a lot of people know that. Were in-person rehearsals canceled for the both of you for a while? Yeah. For some of it, it was, and then there was an option to return in-person masks and distance, but we didn't do that because there were also online labs and stuff. Yeah, and during the time when there were no in-person rehearsals, we... They did online labs where we, one of them is fiddle, where we learn more fiddle skills, which is unusual for us because we mostly do classical, and that was cool. And there's theory and improvisation and stuff like that. Very cool, definitely. And, well, yeah, I was going to say, you don't, you probably don't get much fiddle being part of an orchestra, period, unless it's like a, I don't know, bluegrass orchestra or something. I don't, I don't know about that. Well, I'm looking forward to playing in Mackie again. And playing together with other people. <laughs> yeah. Then you still haven't gotten back to rehearsal practice yet. Oh, because oh, yeah. the season ended two weeks ago, so by the time it starts up again in the fall, we'll probably be able to go everyone in person like normal. Is there any way you can follow the Youth Orchestra on Facebook or online or anywhere else? Well, the website is on, if you just look up Greater Boulder Youth Orchestras, it'll show up, and it has information about auditions. I really want to thank the both of you. You've both been really informative, and your answers were great, honestly. Thanks. And a big special thank you to Aya and Kiahi for talking to us on this one. The Mountain Man Outdoor Store carries new and used outdoor gear, Carhartts, Loki, darn tough socks, hats, gloves, goggles, helmets, t-shirts, sweatshirts, and even more. They have everything you need as a Ned local, and everything you didn't know you'd need when visiting Ned from afar. 
They're located at 20 East Lakeview Drive, Unit 111 in Nederland and can be reached at 303-258-3295. The Mountaineer has advertising packets that include print, social media, online, and podcast. Email publisher1977 at gmail.com for more information on a marketing plan for all of your business needs. Visit Brightwood Music in Nederland for repairs to your stringed instruments. Brightwood restrings, cleans, and tests your six-string acoustic guitar for 15 bucks, plus the cost of your choice of a huge variety of strings. Brightwood Music is family-owned and operated and has been a Nederland staple for over a decade. They're located at 20 East Lakeview Drive, Unit 109 in Ned, and can be reached at 303-258-8863. Find them on Facebook at Brightwood Music. The Mountaineer is hiring a journalist for our podcast. Are you interested in participating in our weekly podcast? Do you have experience in live interviews? Do you have an iPhone or digital recording equipment? Are you well-connected in the peak-to-peak region? you love music and events? One interview weekly is required. We want to hear from you. For more information, email publisher1977 at gmail.com. No phone calls, please. And that's all for this week's episode of the Mountaineer Podcast. All editions of the Mountaineer Podcast are available on our website. Pick up this week's edition of the Mountaineer in print. And go online to www.themtnear.com to catch up on more local news. I'm Cynthia Davis. And I'm Art Devitalis. Until next time, thank you for listening. <laughs>